You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. The following is a GoPowerCat.com and Spirit Street production. discovered your link to gopowercat.com's power cat questions podcast presented by fridge wholesale liquor and it starts right now now let's go to the wtc gig powered studios here's your host gopowercat.com publisher tim fitzgerald Welcome to another edition of the PowerCat Questions Podcast. This week, we request that you take everything we say out of context, even if you have it in context. It's very confusing. I don't understand it. It's hard to make logic out of that. Tim Fitzgerald, Riley Gates, Zach Carlson in the WTC Gig Powered Studios, downtown Manhattan. Fire trucks just went by. It's pretty exciting. Then I looked out, and the, like the fire inspectors parked behind me. And you know what I suspect is going on? They know this podcast is going to be hot. I hope. I'm heated. We're all a little groggy on this Wednesday morn. Oh, I'm not groggy. Uh, Zach and I are a little groggy on this Wednesday morn. Riley is fired up. And I got to be honest, I'm not there yet, but hold on. Let me take a little drink of five-hour energy. Uh, hashtag ad. I'd love an endorsement. Then they'd find out you take five of them a day. There's I don't take hours. five of them a day. It's not 20 hours to two, a You day. show up to basketball games with two of them. I do not. Yes, you do. I don't. I have literally not done that. Denial's the first step. I know for a fact you've done it before. You've definitely done it before. There have been two bottles left over. That might have been last season, but it hadn't been this season. I know that. Fair enough. Well, can't get in that. Can't get that endorsement now. Not drinking enough. Certainly not at an 8 p.m. game. I can tell you that. Oh brother, Kansas State loses to Oklahoma State. Bad Oklahoma State. And in honor of Coach Bruce Weber, I got to admit, it feels like Groundhog Day. Oof. Because after the game, he basically blamed the media for being unfair to his team. Which harkens back to the dude at the thing reference to D. Scott Fritchin for having the gall number of seasons ago to ask about statistics. Fact. Damn, though, we quoted Bruce Weber on something he said, and we were in the wrong. Zach, do you have that audio exactly of what he said on Monday on a press conference? Yeah. We'll stick it right here. That's my job to help them, and I got to, you know, do our best, do my best to do that. Um, But you do run out of motivational speeches and, you know, a little thing. It's just, it's, it's tough. But you, you're gonna keep. I'll keep trying till the. I told him yesterday. I'm gonna keep coaching. I'm gonna coach. I think I've I've decided. I'm gonna coach him harder now. To be honest, I, I for a while there I was trying to be 
oh, you're okay, we're fine, give you hugs and kisses and all that stuff. And I literally have kissed some guys in practice, uh, you know, just trying to make them feel good. Um, and, you know, now I'm just going to – I'm going to coach them hard. If they don't like it, they don't like it. That's fine. We've – I'm going to try to do it the, the way I know and, and the way it's the – I think you can be successful. And then after the game, after losing to Oklahoma State – he was asked about those comments by D. Scott Fritchen. I'm not sure where those comments, I'm not sure where D. Scott Fritchen's question was headed because Bruce Weber cut him off mid-question. Do you have that, Zach? I, I do. We can play that. That's good. Here we go. Bruce, you made mention yesterday that you wanted to coach the guys harder. Did no, I think you took that totally out of context and totally wrong. I said that I am going to continue coaching them harder or coach them hard when you go three games in six days and you lose tough ones you know as a coach you back down a little bit you know you're trying to keep them positive and feel good energy and hug them and kiss them and make them come back you know now yesterday yesterday what i told you yesterday we came back on and sunday watch film i said this is the truth guys this is we got to get better we can't keep doing these things if we're going to make progress and and you know i, I wasn't gonna that's all i was saying okay well, and now you understand why I'm upset. Kansas State lost 64 to 59, and it's everyone else's fault. Maybe that's not what he's saying. I don't know. He may. He's probably just frustrated, and he's lashing out. He promised to be harder on his team, but apparently we're part of the team because now he's going to be harder on the media for reporting that they're losing games. It was a miserable effing basketball game to watch. I felt bad for everyone who paid hard-earned money to go to that game. I wanted a refund, and I was there for free. I just thought I should be compensated for my trauma of watching a crappy basketball team play a crappy basketball team in a crappy game. Neither team had broken 30 well into the second half, and then they decided, hey, let's stop playing defense so that the score looks better, and just poured it on. Half the points in this game were basically scored in the final 12 minutes of it. Yeah. These are bad teams. These are as bad at Big 12 teams as I've seen in a long time. It was, it was not a fun game. Not fun at all. In the course of two games here, I've gone from wondering if Kansas State couldn't make a surge with this friendly go to Iowa State, come home, play Oklahoma State, go to TCU, get Texas in there, winnable games. And now they've lost the first two of that. And I'm beginning to wonder if they will win another game this season. Do you think Bruce has lost this team? I don't think he's lost it in terms of, and I, um, in terms of like, people not caring i think he's just lost it in terms of i think the players know it's over what struck me about tuesday night's game in bramlage coliseum was the team looked like it regressed and i had mentioned this earlier in the year just when we thought maybe the team would be turning a corner the freshman would hit their wall someone brought that up on the message boards it looks like that to me Dejuan Gordon was way off his game last night. Just silly turnovers. Just dribbling and then realizing, where am I going? I'll just turn it over. Montavious Murphy, 
A. Gordon, eh, not very good either. Nobody was very good. Who let him? Mike, Mike, don't take the McGurl, was the best of the worst, going 5 of 9, 16 points. Cartier Jada went back to being the volume shooter, 5 of 13 from the field, 15 points. Mack somehow had 11 points. McCall moving 11 points. Three or six from the field. And Riley, how many open jump shots did he turn down? Two million. Because he lacks confidence. And then in the final 10 seconds of the game, he just got the ball and shot it and made it. Oh, Mac, that's how you do it. I don't know what's happened to this team. But at some point, I mean, it's it's clear Bruce knows he's failed this team. He hasn't recruited enough, and he hasn't made them better. He's had one guy go off the rails, kind of rejoin the rails. I don't. I didn't have any problem with the way Cardi played last night. I thought he played until the hero ball at the end, pretty much within the confines of the game, of the team. We're sponsored by the fridge. I need a drink. When I need a drink, I go to the fridge. Not literally to drink it there. That would be illegal. I take my alcohol and go home. And then have a drink. The Fridge at the corner of Claflin and Westport in Manhattan, freaking Kansas. Hey, look at you. Got it right. Going through a bad week, my good friend John has passed away. If you follow me on social media, you know that. And I met John because he was the first assistant general manager of Tanner's here in Manhattan. Got to know him very well. And uh, he moved on to the Brett Allred Dynasty of Bars, running Yard House. Yard Bar. Yard Bar. Yard House is a different place. Totally. Ale House in Kansas City. I'm getting all my yards and houses and bars confused. Yard Bar in Aggieville. One of the best guys you'll ever meet. But I met him at Tanner's, and everyone who works at Tanner's are special people. And I mean that, the, the managers. and It's a great place to hang out, watch a game. I'm losing my voice, and I don't know why. Dude, you should have heard me on the way to Ames. What's going on? I don't know. Well, I got to confess, I was just yelling at Zach before we went on the air. I was yelling at Zach about things I said that he heard correctly, and I didn't want him to hear him correctly. Makes sense. <sighs> Zach, I know. That's exactly what I said, but you're taking it out of context. It's your questions from All Bass Station. That's what we do on this podcast. You ask, being the VIP subscribers to Go Powercat. You should be a VIP subscriber to Go Powercat. At times like this, that's why you have us. We are honest in good times and bad, and we're going to be honest today answering your questions from Wabash Station. From KNED, is the longest K-State scoring drought of a game a Vegas prop bet yet? Wow. Where would you need to set the over-under to get equal action? It's going to happen every single game. They're always going to do this. And I'm just going to come out and say it. I'm sick of them accepting it. And I heard them accept it at Iowa State. And now it's becoming a thing. They literally said, in, you know, Cardi said in the postgame, he's like, we know we're always going to go on those, we're always going to have those stretches where we fall behind, but we know we're going to come back. No, don't accept the fact that you're going to suck for five minutes. There's, it's okay to miss some shots or to have a rough stretch in a game. But just to accept, uh, yeah, we're not going to score any points for almost six minutes. Look, teams have scoring droughts. 
K-State maybe more than others, but there's a good reason for that. They're not a good team. Good teams don't score enough points to win games. That's how it works. So they go on scoring droughts. The problem at Iowa State wasn't the fact they had a scoring drought. The problem was that they had a defensive drought to go with the scoring drought, and they fell well behind. They should score more points than they did at the start of the Iowa State game, but they can't let their opponent score 20 points in a blink of an eye. That was the real problem. K-State's strength is defense, and they didn't play to their strength. They didn't play to their weakness. They didn't play in the middle, or excuse me, in the early portion of that game. I'm still questioning whether they were on the floor or not. And I was there. What jerseys were they wearing? Purple? Uh See, maybe they weren't. Purple. Was it possible they weren't there? Hmm. You tell me. Insert Unsolved Mysteries music. That's a dated reference. From Rave On, why does it seem that year after year under Weber, our play on on the offensive end stinks? Even with our two conference titles, scoring droughts seem to be a Weber constant. He's not an offensive coach. He can't coach offense. Ding. There's there's a you can you can always go and say, you know, well, they're not as bad as the record says they are. Or the numbers sometimes don't always tell the whole story, right? That's kind of what we like to hear in sports a lot. We use that uh, crutch to lean on a lot. After some point you have enough of a sample size to rule that it is a fact. And it is a fact now. Bruce Weber cannot coach offense. He cannot hire people to coach offense. That's the problem. That's the problem. As a boss, you go out and hire people that compliment you and fill in your weaknesses. Can I do video, Zach? I'm sure you could try. <laughs> that's, a, that's a brilliant way of t- telling the boss, no, you, you can't do that. <laughs> Can I crank out stories at the rate Riley Gates does? No. Can I write long, long features and in-depth coverage like D. Scott Fritchin? No. you got to go out and hire people that complement your weaknesses, that, that fill in the gaps. And as far as I can tell, everyone coaches defense really well. And, and let's be blunt, I mean, we got to come back to it. The recruiting sucked for three years before this class that's in right now. I mean, both the guys that were recruited a year ago are gone. Are gone. One was going to be the next point guard. One was that junior college forward that was going to fill the gap and help Mac down low. No, no, that didn't work out. That didn't work out. I mean, both are gone. Recruits come and go, and he, you're left with not enough dudes that play good basketball. They're not good enough. They don't have enough players. This isn't coaching. This isn't reporting. This isn't they're bad at offense or they have defensive laps, lapses. This is about one thing. They recruited like crap for three years. They got X and Cartier Jada, and they said, hey, we're good. Levi Stockard was supposed to be better. Come on, he's been what he is. He's gotten incrementally better. Just little tiny increments. Mac was a transfer who basically couldn't cut it at his first school. 
And now we're seeing that that player, unfortunately for K-State. And Mike McGurl was always a class filler. And he's, I would say Mike McGurl is the only guy fulfilling his role on this team. Yeah. Mike is the guy now, after not being in the starting lineup, which we never should have been, should be coming off the bench and doing whatever the team needs Tuesday night it was scoring. This is all about recruiting so that all lies at the feet. Is it lies or lays? All, it all lays. Man, it's lies. I need my wife here sometimes. I just need my wife around. So I need her to correct my grammar as we go. At the feet of Bruce Weber, the coach that always is out recruiting. He's always out recruiting. Nobody recruits harder than Bruce. From I like pickles cat. Thanks for moving on. <laughs> this is only question two. This is three. Uh, Mac and Xavier have hardly progressed from last year to present. Which of these is most true? One, after as much experience as they had before this season, they didn't have much room to grow. Two, coaching slash locker room factors inhibited them this summer and fall. Three, it is on them individually to grow as players, and they didn't do what is necessary to improve. It's absolutely number three. It's not number one. You know how I know it's not number one? Because if it was number one, Xavier Sneed would have stayed in the NBA draft. Why did he enter his name in the NBA draft? To test the waters, to see if he could potentially have a future in the NBA last year. What did he learn? No, you need to work on X, Y, and Z. So he comes back to improve. And he did not improve. So it's not that. The locker room, yes, there's been some issues there. We've talked about it at length. But that's not what's causing McCall Maywean to pass up four-foot jump shots. Okay? They're just they're, – they deserve an equal share of the blame that we put onto a lot of, you know, like a Cartier Jada this year. It's disappointing. Xavier Sneed was supposed to be the takeover guy. People complained that Xavier Sneed wasn't first-team All-Big 12. Remember when the first-team All-Big 12 team came out and Xavier Sneed tweeted about how he, he, you know, they be sleeping or something like that? Man, they were sure sleeping on him, weren't they? McCall Maywean got a foul within 60 seconds of the start of the game last night. The second one. At this point, I'm not totally convinced he's not doing it on purpose. Like he doesn't want to play, so he just gets two fouls. I find Mac completely baffling. It's not about him getting not getting better. He's regressed. This is the worst he's played at Kansas State. And maybe this is what he always was. He just got covered up. They didn't throw the ball to him as often when you had the big three. You didn't lean on him like you do now. Just go defend and... You know, once in a while, score. But he's scared to shoot the ball on a team that is scared to shoot the ball. Mac's gone backwards, and I'll be honest, it's so dramatic to me, I'm almost worried that there's something wrong with the young man. He has no confidence. You can see it in his body language. He has no energy. He he almost plays like he's not healthy, like he's got mono or the flu. I mean, he just looks zapped out there mentally and physically. X, I have no explanation other than this. He's not a good basketball player. I mean, he's he's good in the context as a good college basketball player, but he's not good enough for the league. He never was. Folks, I don't remember what his line at uh, Iowa State was. Is that the box? I just threw away my box. Yeah, I didn't know what you were doing there. Well, I got I, they were blowing in the fan, and I threw it away. And Oh, man, I'm a mess. Uh, I can't read. X was 3 of 11. 
at Iowa State, and uh, he was three of eleven last night. That's impressive. Hey, he's nothing if not consistent. He was two of seven from three point range at Iowa State. He was two of four last night. Huh. Yeah, and he had like what five turnovers at Iowa State or four turnovers, something like that. Something crazy. Three of them in the first ten three. minutes. Yeah, three. You're getting carried away over there. I list him with three. Okay. Uh, but to put that in context, he was one of seven from two. What did X need to work on in the offseason? It wasn't shooting more three-pointers. It was putting the ball on the floor and going to the hole and taking advantage of his incredible athleticism. Oh, one of seven from two-point range against a mediocre Oklahoma State team. And may I say this? I'm just going to say it. I don't care what Oklahoma State's record is. They look like they had better players. They do. They absolutely do. It doesn't make sense that they were 1-9 coming into that game. <sighs> yeah, I don't even... I, look, when you have... There was three guys that were really supposed to lead this team. One has been off the rails. We've We've talked about Cartier... Cardi, he must be going good. Now the, now it's off me. X just isn't consistent at all. He just shoots a lot. He, his game his game looks like mine when I played. I'm going to shoot a lot, and I'm not athletic. And if I rebound, it's probably, a, you know, because I got bored of the ball. Bounced to me. And Mac, I, I just, I, again, I just hope everything's okay with Mac because I, I get a feeling something's not. From Itam BB, Bruce lost Foster, Marcus Foster, over the off offseason, and it seems to be repeating with Cartier Jada. What does he do or not do as a coach during the offseason to lose a player? I don't know. Look, there's some things that he is out of his control. He can't help it if their family is calling these kids in the summer and saying, oh, you, you've got the league ahead of you. You're going to be pro. But we don't know that happened. Right. That's that's the thing is we don't know. Folks, we don't know. We're not with Bruce all summer. We don't know how much he's with the guys. Uh, you know, I'd probably lay more of that blame on assistant coaches. You know, they're the ones who are probably around the kids as much in the summer. I mean, Bruce was literally gone this summer. Between recruiting and the World Cup. Yeah. I mean, it's a disturbing trend. I mean, it happened up in Champaign also. I mean, he lost some guys at Illinois. But, I mean, it, it probably just comes back to this. We don't know who got in their ears, but people are getting in his players' ears and saying, you're better than this. You need to go get yours. Go get yours. Yeah. It doesn't work, by the way. From Purple Powerhouse, recently... Cartier seemed to be saying the right things to the media. Has he really turned a corner with his attitude, or is he saying these things he thinks pro scouts want to hear? You guys said it best on the Insiders podcast. It just His comments at Iowa State, he threw out the quote, very false. And people read that, and they said, oh, well, Cartier denied it. See, Fran made it up. It was fake. No, 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 no. Very false meant that he wasn't focused. Cartier came out and said, I'm still focused at K-State, and that means I want to win. I want to win. Why do I want to win? Well, I, I need to win so the pro scouts see me. I know that they want to see guys that win. It's no different, okay? 
The only reason that it feels any different right now, the only reason that you are asking that question is because he put up 24 points against Iowa State and finally spoke to the media who, I don't know if it's on K-State or I don't know if it's on Cartier, but somebody, it's a problem I've had with K-State for a while. Let's hide the guys that are in the media talk and, and let's wait until they do something nice before we put them in front of the reporters. It's It was a disaster of a week, and I understand why it could have been tough on Cartier. I understand, yes, Fran's an adult. Cartier's a little bit of a younger kid. But nothing has changed simply because he came out and made those comments. His, nothing. His comments were meaningless. His, com- his comments were words. I mean, I, I need actions. I need to see him. I mean, he basically said, yeah, I'm, I'm focused on this because I need, I need to do well here because I want to play there. And it was all about what I can do here to help me later. That's been the point. That's he exactly. He admitted what Fran said without realizing he did it. Yeah. I need to win some games. I mean, come on, man. Come on. It, you know what? It, I'm enough. From Purple Powerhouse, excuse me, from KSUCAT80. I am concerned about the expectations some people have about next season's basketball team. So what kind of impact do you guys expect next year's freshman class to have? I I think a lot similar to this year's, maybe slightly better. Um, They've got better shooters, I think, than this year's class. But but what people seem to get caught up in is the same thing that they got caught up in with Dejuan Gordon. He was named the Chicago Player of the Year last year and put up really good numbers in high school. And so everybody was suddenly thinking, is Dejuan Gordon the Big 12 Freshman of the Year? No, he's a very good player for K-State. He's one of the better players on this team currently, but he's still not good enough to be making an impact as a freshman. And the same thing is going to happen with next year's guys. They're going to come in. Selton Miguel is dropping over 25 points a game or something like that at high school. He's not going to do that next year. Okay? It's going to take time. And it's unfair for a lot of people to, to come. It's going to happen again. The same thing that happened with Dejvon this year. People are going to do it to next year's class. And the upsetting part about it is because of how bad this program is in, how bad of a shape this program is in right now, you kind of have to do it. You have to have high expectations for next year's freshmen and the current freshmen on this year's team because they're your only hope. The only hope. Uh, I don't think any anyone's expectations are about the freshmen. It's about the program. I mean... I started this off saying this is Groundhog Day, and this is exactly why. These are the same damn conversations we had four years ago or whatever it was. And then then they got a little bit better the next year, and somehow they snuck into the first four. This is all a rinse and repeat of what we've seen before. And the hindsight crew was like, oh, Fitz, you you shouldn't have called for his firing. Look, you should have known two years down the road they would go to the Elite Eight, which is looking more and more like a aberration. Uh, hey, folks, I, it was made very clear to me this is acceptable. 
not just by fans, but from the administration. This is okay. This is cool. This is part of being a program. K-State's just not going to be very good. They're going to have some seasons when they're good, but for the most part, K-State's not going to be good. That's the message. This is okay. Next year it'll be okay. Now, the year after that, well, maybe they maybe they can get to the bubble. Maybe they can do the NIT. But in the year four, they're going to be good. That's that's the norm. I've, it's been made clear to me. This is what this this is what inconsistent recruiting gets you. This isn't a normal thing. You should have more capable players on your roster than this. This didn't happen to the program. It's self-inflicted. Guys didn't transfer to go to other programs. They transferred because they weren't good enough to play here. Guys didn't get injured ending their career, and boy, would they have helped a lot. No, the guys that got injured don't help. This is this is what lackadaisical sales gets you. And well, that's exactly what recruiting is. Boy, I talked to a lot of people. Nobody bought, but I talked to a lot of people. I went to a lot of trade shows, but nobody bought. I worked really hard, boss, but nobody bought. Okay, you can get stick around. From Adam K sixty three, what's worse, the play hard chart or the plus minus chart? <laughs> well, first off, I only put the question in there so I can rant about the plus minus. I love the play hard. I do. I think it's a good thing to keep in house, and he's done a really good job no, of I keeping that in. I think it's a great thing to keep in house. The plus minus is total garbage, and I brought it up because. Bruce Weber roasted Greg Woods this week for asking why Mike McGurl only played nine minutes, and he responded, did you see the plus minus? And Greg said no. Go check that out, and you'll retract your question. Well, no, that's not why. So, wait, Mike McGurl's the only guy that played bad at Iowa State? It was all Mike's fault. He's the only one that... So wait, Mike. Just because Mike McGurl was on the floor when your starting five got trashed in the first five minutes... It's Mike McGurl's fault. Got it. But is he checking the plus-minus chart during the game? Oh, he's a minus nine right now. Yeah. Better, better sit him. Uh, plus-minus is so stupid. It's astronomically stupid. If somebody came in during the part of the game of, at Iowa State where Iowa State was up 21-2 to two and something bad happened to K-State, boom. You get slapped with a hard plus minus. It's the dumbest stat, and I can't believe a Division One Power Five head coach is relying on it. It is only valuable over the long term. I think over the course of a season, if you're minus whatever, I mean significant number, it says something. But it's like if I stuck my head outside right now and said, "Boy, it snows every day here in Manhattan." <laughs> You know, it's it's like anything else. It's it's one point on a graph, and you can't read the graph from one point. I mean, why did Mike McGurl play badly? Because he was bad in the plus minus. No, that's not that's not why he played badly. I mean, he had 16 points and led the team last night, but he had a minus three on the plus minus. Bingo. Tell me how that's a viable stat. 
And he was clearly the best guy on the floor. God. From KNED, is it frustrating that the can't mindset seems to be back in control of K-State after John Weefald, Bill Snyder, and to a certain and to a lesser extent, Bob Huggins all showed us that great things can happen here. Even though there are natural challenges, K-State can achieve things at a high level. This is another thing I ask on the Insiders Podcast. If you're not listening to the Insiders Podcast, I'm going to trash, trash us right now. This is That's the best podcast we do. I mean... I I recruited well. Humble brag. Matt Walters, Kellis Robnett, Ryan Black. They're, they're freaking awesome together. But I brought this up. Baylor is number one in, oh, both men's and women's. Why Baylor and why not K-State? Baylor. It's not like if you look at the roster, oh, look at all these Dallas kids. They just go up the road and get a bunch of kids. They're from all over, man. Now, on the women's side, Baylor's kind of built up to this. They've become, become a national brand. They've kind of, I don't know if they, you want to say they're the Duke. Who would be the Duke? UConn's an outlier. There's, there's nothing to compare UConn women's program to in the men's side. UConn women are the UCLA of the 70s. And now it's finally cycling around and catching up a little bit. But Baylor's right there with them. Right there. I mean, I get that. Kim Mulkey has done an incredible job of building that program to what it is. But Baylor men? Hmm. Oh, that's right. Baylor football also went to a New Year's Six Bowl. So why Baylor and why not Kansas State? I'm, I don't like accepting being mediocre. If that makes me a bad guy, well, freaking make me wear black. I'll wear it. I'll be the bad guy for saying, I expect better. It's basketball at Kansas State. And just because, oh, I haven't been good for 40 years. So what? So, what we should be. My biggest thing is, the the biggest discussion on the boards the, the last few weeks has been, well, every team in the Big 12 minus Kansas goes through rebuilding years. You are correct. Every team in the Big 12 has a down year. West Virginia last year was horrible, went through a bunch of stuff. But they had I they went it. through stuff. Right. I get what you guys are saying. I get that there's a rebuild and we all knew this was going to be a rebuilding year. What we didn't know was that on February 12th they would be 2 and 9 and have lost to the worst team in the conference on their home floor. You did not know that. You did not accept that. And if you did accept that, what are you doing here? There's rebuilds, and there's the, there's complete starting from scratch. And they're starting from scratch right now. I don't care who you lost. They lost three important players. Don't get me wrong. Amazing players. Great players for K-State. There's no reason they should be 9-15 and 15 right now. No reason at all that K-State should be 9-15. and 15. You know what Frank Martin did the year after he lost Jacob Pullen? Went 22-11. and 11. Uh, look, I I get that teams go through this. Oh, West Virginia did it last year. Well, they had some pieces that were taken off the table. Suspension, injury. North Carolina has gone through it with injuries. What pieces were taken off K-State's table to make this happen to the Wildcats? Other than graduating pieces, that happens. It's college sports. Would this team be better with Trice, with Sean Neal Williams, another name insert here? With James Love, 
Nigel Shad. What piece made K-State bad because they don't have it? Well, it's the pieces they didn't recruit. I mean, this didn't happen. This isn't a cycle. It's like you hit yourself in the head with a brick and complain that a brick attacked you. I mean, this is self-inflicted. This is what the program did to itself. It's not a natural cycle because you had so many good players, you couldn't recruit good players. Hmm? That didn't make sense to me. Now, if you've got one guy at a spot and another guy, I can see, but it was like we recruit this player and this player and this player, this player, this player. Sean Neal Williams can play for us. It's been bad recruiting, period. From Jim Cat, does this remind you of Jim Wooldridge's last year with lots of close losses? And if this is repeated next year, should Bruce be done? I... No, nothing reminds me of Wildridge and Asbury. And here's why. Because at that point, there just weren't expectations. Now, fans didn't have expectations. They're broken. I mean, it was so bad for a number of years. And football was raging. Yeah. But one guy had expectations. One guy. It just happened to be the athletic director, Tim Weiser, who thought, Jim, you're a great guy. We got to move on. I'm going to go hire someone a lot of you don't like. Is Bob Huggins is going to win games. He reset the expectations of the program right there. We expect to win at Kansas State. Why settle? Why settle? Here we are. It doesn't remind me of that because... A lot of us have those expectations that were kind of brought back to life. They were new. Brought back to life by Huggins and Frank Martin. And Bruce has done some of that. Bruce picked it up, ran with it in his first year, and then crash. And then he hit the big three, ran with it, built it up, and crash. He gets a good group of guys and cruises on it. And here we are. Now, next year, I think next year the talent is going to be so obvious that if they really have a bad season, it probably will be his last. If they have this kind of season. But he's going to, that's not how Bruce works. He's going to get them better. The guy can coach. He, he can coach. He just doesn't have enough guys to coach. He can't raise the dead, for God's sakes. <laughs> so he'll get them better. He'll feel better. I mean, it's going to almost work to his advantage that they're going to win two, maybe three Big 12 games. The next two when they win six. Man, look at how he improved the team. I can hear some of you now. Oh, they won six games. It, it, you know what? And we can argue all we want. Should this coach stay and go? It comes from the top. What do they expect of basketball at Kansas State? The roller coaster or a steady hum that is better than this? I just expect better. From Ricky Tiki Tavi, 
I'm sure you saw this post about Bruce, but I'm curious of your take. Choose a letter and explain if you wish. A, with everything he's accomplished, he can stay until retirement if he wants. B, he would have to string together several horrible seasons for me to begin to think about K-State needing to change directions. And he says three to four to include this one. Um, C, we shouldn't be thinking about changing directions now, but he should be on a short leash from Gene. D, it's time to get rid of him now. I have two answers, and one is my personal opinion, and one is the way that Kansas State thinks. Right. My personal opinion is C. This season, even if he'd have gone 0-18, I get there would have been a lot of upset people out there, but he brings in his best recruiting class ever. His team's led by freshmen. He just won a Big 12 championship. Got to give him another year. But I'm not okay with 2-16 and 16 this year, 4-14 and 14 next year, things like that. I'm not okay with that. So I think the leash should be short, and I said that weeks ago. I'm not saying that because they lost to Oklahoma State last night. I said that weeks ago. We can go pull the tape if we need to. What's Kansas State going to do? They're going to give him three to four years. They're going to give him all of next year. and They're going to let him get to retirement. Yeah. Unless unless they turn around next year and it's equally bad. Read, read through those again. A, he can stay until retirement if he wants. I say, remember Bill Snyder? <laughs> go ahead. B, uh, he'd have to string together say, three to four several horrible seasons for me to begin to think about K-State needing to change directions. If that happens, he won't be fired. He'll just retire. And that's what I think everyone's trying to get him to. He said he wants to retire young, maybe from active coaching, recruiting, and go do something else in basketball. But I think everyone just wants to get him there within the department. And then sees a short leash. Isn't that true of every coach? Shouldn't C, if you expect to be good, shouldn't C be everything, every time, unless it's a new coach trying to rebuild and get things going, you have to give him some time, certainly in football. Basketball is a little bit different. Basketball, you can throw together a couple of recruiting classes and be good. It just takes 13 on a roster. It really takes about eight dudes that fit the right parts. I mean, everything at Baylor is achievable in recruiting right now. You look at Baylor's roster, what one of those kids can Kansas State not get? One of them was at a D3. Yeah. What player at Baylor can K-State not get? So I think C's true for almost every coach out there unless it's a total rebuild and you know you have to give them time. Or your expectations just suck and you don't care. And then D is just intolerable. From Purple Powerhouse... Last question of the first half. As a fan, I've basically checked out at this point. Personally, I can't stand watching us flail about and lose. I want to root for this team, but honestly, they're not giving us much to root for. Do I need to turn in my fan card? You know what? Um, being a fan doesn't mean you're a blind loyalist. I mean, that, it's never meant that. It means you're a fanatic. You want good things. Sometimes the best thing for your program is to be honest about what's going on. I'm a fan of the team. This kid can do whatever he wants in the locker room. I'm a fan. Even if it's bad for the team, I'm a fan of him. And then 
what's going on with the team. That's got to be something else. I'm a fan. You know, oh, whatever happens, I'm a fan. Look, I, it's not like you quit on your team. It's not like you say, you know what, they've been so bad, I just stopped. I'm going to go cheer for Gonzaga now. God help you. I, You're a fan, and it's not a bandwagon fan. Like, you're totally gone. I'm never coming back. Oh, they, they're going to play for a big tool title. I'm back on. They just... It's your way of voting. This isn't acceptable. That's basically what you're doing. I don't know. I don't, I don't think you've got to turn in your fan card because, like Fitz said, there's nothing wrong with expecting more. I'm sorry that if beating 1-9 Oklahoma State at Bramwich Coliseum, the octagon of doom, I'm sorry if that was a too high of an expectation set. I do apologize for setting the bar too high. Yeah. That it? That's it. Yeah. Told yeah. you I was mad. Man, that snuck up. That's 44 minutes. We'll talk about football in the second half, though. I'm oh, happier. I'm just going to be mad about that. They win in five. God. Stay locked in. The Power Cat Podcast will be right back. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. We now send it back to Fitz in the WTC gig-powered studios. Welcome to the Doom and Gloom podcast from the WTC gig-powered studios. It is currently snowing outside and raining in here. The snow looks nice today. It's a pretty snow. Tim Fitzgerald, Riley Gates, Zach Carlson. We're sponsored by The Fridge. This isn't the Doom and Gloom podcast. It's the Questions podcast. The Powercat Questions podcast. Times like this, you need us. We weren't blindly telling you they're going to be great at the start of the season. We were throwing up warning flags at the start of the season for you. Oh, when he sees so negative. Man. Kansas State fell to. Oh, I'm gonna pull this out because these numbers don't stick in my head. These numbers aren't real to me. They're two and nine in the Big Twelve, nine and fifteen overall. Nine and fifteen overall. You ask questions, we answer, and we've got football in this segment, which is a good thing. Thank God. What am I? What am I leaving out? Oh. You need to talk about the high low. Oh man, I'm just so I'm I'm frazzled. I'm frazzled. Can we go eat at the high low today? Hell yeah. Let's Can do we it. please? Let's take I've a I've been wanting to do that for weeks. <laughs> we, well we 
we're always running up against a press conference or something. Yeah. We're going to go eat the Hilo. I don't know if I'm going to get burger or pizza, but I can tell you this. It's going to be delicious. Por que no dos? That was French. <laughs> no. <laughs> it's a German. It's clearly German. Uh, get into the high-low. Man, when you're in Manhattan, get down there. Great food. Great bar. Great peeps. High-low. Here we go. Man, we're out of whack. From Brimmer 73 so what makes an open spring practice better than the old spring game? It's not, look, I, it's not, for, I for a fan, it's not better. Right. It's not about you. I mean, that's been my point. Does the team get better from the spring game? Coach always said it's nice to have the lights on and, and you know, replicate the games. I, I always thought that was overplayed. You get 15 practices in the spring. The spring game is one of them. Don't waste it, man. This is a good move by Chris Kleiman. If you're going to come out to the open, like feel free to come out to this open practice thing that they're going to do on a Friday, which I think means not a lot of people are going to be there because it's a Friday. Right. But, I mean, if you want to come out, if you want to watch the team practice, absolutely. I mean, I think it's kind of cool to be able to see something other than six games a year. But it's not going to be very exciting. You're just going to see some drills and stuff, but it's what's best for the team. That's what the spring should be about. They give you 15 practices. You shouldn't only, You shouldn't be only allowed to use 14 of them. <laughs> Have you run into anyone that is legitimately upset there's not a spring game? No. The people I'm hearing are upset because there's always been a spring game. And, and I'm telling you this right now. The argument that it's always been that way is the worst argument for anything you could ever come up with. Yeah, it's always it's always been that way. That's how we did it. Yeah. I want a spring game. Zach wants a spring game. Zach just wants the routine of a game where he gets to film things. How else am I going to get Luke Soa and Adam Harder highlights, man? They scored touchdowns two years ago. That is true. Senior, senior video, baby. Senior videos after this after this starts to, to take over and we don't have any more spring games. Oof, it's going to be a little tough. Tough to come by. Next question. The only thing here is this, the only thing I disagree with is why are you having it on a Friday? Just have the open practice on Saturday. Yeah, it's kind of weird, man. What, what is that about? Like, <laughs> hey, we're having an open practice for you. At midnight on a Tuesday. Honestly, and I'm not trying to say Chris Kleiman and Gene Taylor and them are, like, setting up this big conspiracy plan. But, like, when they put it on a Friday and nobody comes, then they can look at it and say, well, nobody came. Let's just let's just close it and we'll do a normal practice. Yeah. Whatever I, helps the team. If, if that's what they're doing, then fine. I don't really care. I actually think Chris Kleiman likes cameras being around less than Bill Snyder does. They're more alike than people think. Yeah, yeah. The whole oh, you can't pra- you can't film this part of practice. We're doing real things. They're like oh, feel Snyder free- would have been like, what? You're allowed to do that? Media, feel <laughs> free to come come to practice. Now we're just gonna do high knees and butt kickers while you're here, but feel free. Yeah. <laughs> From Wildcat Pilot eighty eight, is football recruiting on pace or ahead of schedule for where you thought the climbing staff would be after fourteen months? Take the Rubley commit out, and I'd say it's right on pace. I, but I didn't set a schedule like that. I, I just wanted to see them get better. So maybe it has gotten a little bit better more quickly. Let 
can I have the whole class before I have to assess <laughs> the whole class? I mean, who knows? I mean, maybe these are the highlights of the class and it's not going to get any better. It's just going to be filler from here. And then you'll go, it's uh, not that much better. That's the the thing is, it's getting better. A lot of people like I don't know how how much you talked recruiting over the last month or whatever on radio, but like a lot of people that I've talked with, they've said, you know, it, this is his first full year to to recruit. How did he do? You know, how how does he grade as a recruiter? Twenty twenty wasn't was not a a, a fair evaluation of his yeah. ability as a recruiter because football takes a lot of time to establish relationships. I think if he, I think if guys like. Uh, like the Lawrence kid, who I'm now blanking on, that's going to Nebraska. Turn the jeez. Why did I forget that? How name? the hell did I remember a name? Yeah, I think if he was a 2021 kid, K State might have landed him. You never know. You know, more time to establish that relationship. So now, now these recruits have seen tangible evidence that this coaching staff knows what it's doing. I mean, for the most part, the kids that agreed to come in, you know, the early signing period. I mean, they had pledged before a bunch of games had taken place, and now, like, one eight games in our first year. We, we're this thing's going to go back to where it was under Bill Snyder in the best days. Come on, be part of it. They've got something to put on the table. From BK Big Fish eighty one, with Sean leaving for USC, do you think a scenario where he ever returns to Manhattan in a coaching compat? Coach, coaching capacity. I wow. had a stroke. Very sorry. Um, no, I don't see it. Yeah, I don't. I don't see it as long as Chris Kleiman is here, for sure. Well, he's he's going to be a special teams coordinator. That still doesn't qualify you to be a Big Twelve head coach. If his next step is, let's say somehow. That isn't a one-and-done job. And they get it going again at USC. A couple years, he does a great job. And then he gets the pulling a school out, San Jose State job, Akron, I, I don't know. One of those jobs, Rice, SMU, you know, one, something. And then he does a good job. Okay, we can have a discussion. I don't think it's too much to ask for a guy to be a head coach or at least a long-running offensive-defensive coordinator at a proven institution. I think, uh, and here's the sad thing, and nothing against Sean, because this is completely out of his hands. This is a one-year job. Yeah. He's done after this. Is there any more questions about Sean in here? No. This is it. Okay, so I think Sean's brilliant for taking this job. Yeah. I mean, he had an opportunity to, you know, stay in the area with Texas or Nebraska as an analyst. He's going to be an on-the-field coach. He'll get credit for that. Probably in a one-year capacity, because that staff's going to be run out short of a miracle. Should have been fired this year. I, I don't understand it. But he's got a two-year contract. And no matter what the special teams coach does, they're not going to get the blame for this thing. I mean, they're really bad in special teams, so if they're just bad, not really bad. He's made progress, and it wasn't his fault that the program blew up. I mean, you don't blame the guy that walked into the burning house for burning down the house. So, I think it was a brilliant move by Sean. He's going to spend a year out there. He's going to get paid. He'll come back to Manhattan, probably get paid again. 
Does Sean really want to be a head coach? I don't think so. That's what we're about to find out. Yeah, I don't think so. The weird thing about this job was that I don't get who was holding it up, you know? USC has had this opening since December 28th. He was involved with the Texas job. He was involved with the Nebraska job to the point where we were led to believe he was taking it and it could be announced. And then he accepts a job over a month after it had been opened. It's not easy to hire when everyone knows it's going to be a short job. Yeah. It's just not easy. They probably had talked to other people and like, no, I want a five-year contract, you know, just put in the poison pill. From Purple Powerhouse, at this point, are we safe from any coaching defections for now? Well, I would say yes, but Colorado just opened up last night, so. If you're Colorado, do you just call Eric Bieniemy and say, how much? You write him a blank check, and uh, if you're Eric Bieniemy, you turn the check down. Yeah, you're going to be an NFL head coach. It will be, mark my words, and you can expose me for it if I'm wrong. If Eric Bieniemy takes the Colorado job, his career is over. He will never coach in the NFL again. Mm-hmm. Unless it's one and done. Right. It, why would you take a step backwards? Why leave the MVP, the best team in the NFL, the best player in the NFL, where you will assuredly get a head coaching job next year, to go beg 17- and 18-year-olds to play for you at Colorado? I agree. Uh, you know what? And... To defeat my own argument that you go write him a blank check, do you want to risk the fact that another coach will come in and one and done you? Like he'll have a decent season, and then then the NFL will come calling. Right. Hell, the NFL doesn't even care if you have a de- decent season. Cliff Kingsbury's on line two. <laughs> I, I mean, I don't know what – obviously it's going to depend on who Colorado ends up hiring. I mean – you know, if they go hire Craig Bull, then I would start to sweat a little bit. But, you know, if they go hire some random Joe, I, I don't think you have to worry about it at this point. Even Scotty Hazleton at this point, I think it would take the per- like probably, like I said, Craig Bull. From sitting down with Scotty Hazleton for an hour in our studio and having other chats on the side, it's going to take something to get him out of here. I mean, they're they're kind of settled in for the first time. I know who Colorado should hire, but they won't. They just won't. Jim Lovett still has a home in Boulder. Yeah. I mean, he's just not shiny. He's not new. But he's been there. He's succeeded there. And if anything, offer him an interim job. Say, hey, Jim, I know you're defensive coordinator at Florida Atlantic. Isn't that where he's at? Yeah. Come to Boulder. Be our interim head coach for a year. Keep the staff that's here, and then we'll see. We'll talk. Not a terrible idea. If I'm Jim, I take that. If I'm if I'm Jim, I take that. If they offered it, I don't think Jim would take it. I think he's going to hang out down there at Florida Atlantic. I think he's going to wait for that job to open up when Willie Taggart has success and then is gone in two years. Might be right. Also from Purple Powerhouse. Even though the last four questions here are all from Purple Yeah, House, thank you for way. bringing football questions because I did not want to talk basketball again. Yeah. So I'll just 
Thank you, Purple Powerhouse. Even though I hate the idea of losing really good coaches, how refreshing is it to have coaches that other programs might covet? During Snyder 2.0, our staff was hardly ever getting poached. Just a few guys like Michael Smith and Joe Bob Clements bailing when they thought Snyder might retire. It's the it's it's great, and it's the exact same thing that we we argued with last year when or no two years ago I guess however you want to look at it when we were sitting here following the the coaching search replacement for Bill Snyder and the constant concerns that came up with with Seth Luttrell with uh, uh, Norvell or or Neil Brown you know whoever the guys were that popped up into the category and people said well will they want to stay at K State for really long look. One way or another, if they're leaving, that means they did a good job. If people are after your coaches, that means your program is in a great place. I think if K-State pieces together another you know, successful season, it went eight, nine, ten games next season, people are going to come out of the woodwork for this staff. I mean, particularly if Connor Riley puts together a good offensive line <laughs> after the total rebuild, people will come after him. If Skyler shows dramatic progress, people come after Colin Klein. I don't know. It's, it's. I think some of these guys are just got too many questions about them right now to be hired away, and it works to K State's advantage. But but football coaches at the Power Five level are not built to stay in these roles. Buddy Wyatt is not supposed to be the defensive coordinator for the rest of Chris Kleiman's or defensive coordinator, defensive ends coach. For the rest of Chris Kleiman's tenure at K-State. That's not his final job. That's not his last stop. Maybe. As tough as it is to accept, you got to lose guys along the way. And if you're not losing guys, that means either A, you're bad, or B, they're complacent. Well, complacent or content. You're working at a place where football matters. You're working at a place where there's expectations of success. And you're working at a place surrounded by good people. People tend to stay in that job, even if it pays a little bit less. And being content and liking your boss, studies show over and over you're less likely to move on. We'll see what happens. Next question is, of the players we lose, who will be the biggest loss or hardest to replace? Good question. I think the hardest to replace... Well, we'll probably be those defensive tackles. They got some guys, I know. I mean, the offensive line, I can't point to one guy that, I mean, you got to find a. Holdorf? Maybe Scott Franz, even though he didn't play great, he was a left tackle. You got to have a guy that put left tackle. I mean, second most important position on the field. Or behind what? Quarterback. <laughs> oh. uh, but the center gives him the ball. Yeah. If the center doesn't hand him the ball, One day nothing we'll happens. the center from football, and the quarterback will just hold it there. <laughs> like the backyard. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I mean, yeah, defensive tackle. And like, I can't pick one of the defensive tackles because Trey Deshaun was why Jordan Mitty was good. Vice versa. And Jordan Mitty made plays because, you know, it's like, it's tough to really say who was more important. Yeah, um, I just think people are going to appreciate them. And I think you're going to really, I think we really, and I was very guilty of this, undervaluing James Gilbert. Mm-hmm. 
he didn't he didn't have these big explosive runs. He didn't wasn't a an every down back to put up a thousand yards, but he got those four yard runs. And those are the ones you need. Second and four, you bust off a five yard run, something like that. Third and three, you get four, and he was really good at that. Last question of the podcast. Give your way too early predictions for next year's football win total. I know we're losing a lot, but I still think we hit the six to eight win range. Go with me on this. Go just just trust me. Kansas City Chiefs, Kansas State Wildcats, Super Bowl fifty five. No. No. That's my prediction. And I'm sticking with it. I, I don't think Scotty Hazleton is good enough to coach against Patrick Holmes. I, I have seen Kansas State handle that guy. That's true. That's true. DJ Reed's not walking through that door, though. Tom I, Brady is out of contract, right? So <laughs> next coach, next quarterback at Kansas State. What? Uh, I. Here's the really weird thing about next year, and I think we've talked about this before. They might be five and one or six and zero oh to start the year. And then close one and five. You would hope they'll build ahead of momentum and confidence, and the guys that they plugged in into all the many holes they have will be feeling good about themselves by midseason. It's such a weird schedule next year. It's going to start hot, whether that is five and one or six and zero or four and two. What's weird about the schedule? That you close with Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, and Baylor. Murder Row. I don't know. And it starts so easy. Your toughest game of the first six is Texas. And it's Texas. And it's at home. At home. You are sleeping on North Dakota. You're right. I am. <laughs> the other North Dakota program. I'm going to safely say seven again. What's North Dakota's mascot? The Fighting Hawks. Are you confident oh, yeah. on that? They're the Fighting Hawks? Yeah, they used to be the Fighting Sioux, but then they oh, changed it. Oh, that's right. Yeah, because we got all sensitive and stuff. Well, isn't that kind of, I mean, stereotyping Hawks? That they fight? They fight. Maybe Hawks are cuddlers, too. Huh. Maybe. Maybe. The Oklahoma win this year makes it tough to really give any win. The Oklahoma win and the West Virginia loss. You're like, well, those don't make any sense. Because they don't. They got Vanderbilt coming in. I feel very comfortable considering they kept Derek Mason. Talk about a program just pretty much saying, hey, we're okay. Apathetic. Uh, it's good enough. I'll say seven. Yeah. Seven is a safe number because it shows you're a little bit optimistic. You're not saying 500, but you're not too optimistic to say eight or nine. I don't think eight's too optimistic. Seven is very comfortable. So 15 would be way too confident. 15 wins? Yes. 14-1. God, Clemson will be there. I know. I expect him to lose the national championship. People want him fired. <laughs> Can't win the big game. Can't win the big one. Uh, I, I'm going to go with you. Although people will be like, you went backwards. So I'll just say eight. Say eight. I expect eight. I want eight. Eight, 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 and I want to eat. Eight and eat. That's what we're going to end the podcast. It's been a great podcast. The first segment was long and emotional. Uh, it was a roller coaster, just like Bruce Roberts' program.
You've been listening to the Power Cat Questions podcast presented by Fridge Wholesale Liquor. Power Cat Podcast. All rights reserved. GoPowerCat.com and Spirit Street Publishing. Let's go! It's the most all-star studded challenge ever. And this time, it's every competitor for themselves. Best challenge ever! The Challenge All-Stars. New season now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Go to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Terms apply.